You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Well, good morning, Grace family. It's good to hear from Dale and Shirley leading us in this candle lighting. It's just so fun to see that happening. So as we come together here this morning, we're going to be looking together at, well, it's like you need to get sermon notes because <laughs> I'm preaching. We've got a lot of Bible to cover. So as you see there on the website, if you go right down to the bottom, Sunday sermon notes will be there. While you're there, that's the giving app. And we want to support Christmas and we want to support Advent Conspiracy. That's the place to do it. If you're looking at the app, sermon notes are there. And down below there, you see prayer requests. And we'd like to ask you at the end of this service, if you're live, we'll have a prayer time. There'll be a QR code where you can see that. Uh, Again, giving so you can support. If you're, anytime you're watching this, if you go to that prayer request and just stick up something, it goes to the prayer team. There's quite a lot of us here at Grace are doing prayer teams. So Sharon and I are part of that. And we get those emails come out regularly and we want to pray for you. So go there in the giving. And then down at the bottom, you'll see the small group community. That's what we're developing right now is because we've been a church that's committed to small groups for a long time, but Pastor Rhonda is now overseeing that and we're working on developing that. So we'd like to have you be a part of that. Maybe as a leader. I mean, who knows? Thanksgiving. Don't you love it? (laughs) Don't you love it? Oh my gosh. Thanksgiving. Good food. Three of us at our table. I checked in with some of my non-legal family, but our gathering was like yesterday. So here's my legal family gathering together yesterday for a Zoom time. Not quite the same as sharing food together, but we had a lot of fun. Hour and a half there yesterday, just horsing around and goofing around. Thanksgiving is such a good time, but this is such a difficult season. And we're talking about hope today. And the question I keep asking is like, where's the hope? I mean, I look at this and... You know, it just seems so easy. You know, bright sunset and people and hearts and all that. But this isn't that season. This is a season when things are tough. This is a season where COVID is running. I've got friends who have been hit by COVID. I just think of the difficulty of that. Uh, We're not gathering because of COVID. Our, Our church is responding to the Christian Medical Dental Society in their plea to please don't enhance this by gathering unwisely. So we're being careful in our gathering, we're masking, we're distancing. So when you come next week, you know, we'll do that. But, you know, it's a tough time because hope typically, and especially in seasons like this, with economic difficulties, with distress, COVID, political uncertainties, it often comes in really hard times. And for some people around here, times have been really difficult, especially on Friday. It just, can there really be hope in a time like this? I'll check in with Jay a little bit later, see how it goes. Here's the hope. Because the hope is in the coming of Jesus. The hope is in the power of what he's doing. And we come together, this song we sang, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. So here's what I want you to do. Like right now, 
when you think of the long-expected Jesus, let's assume that you're living in 10 BC, okay? So go back like a couple thousand years and a little bit more. Before the coming of Jesus, you're a Jewish person. You're living in, let's say you're living in, I don't know, maybe living in Jerusalem, let's say. You're living under Roman domination. Herod the Great is cruel. Economics are difficult. It's just a tough season. And you think about the promise of Messiah. Now, right now, take a moment there in your, wherever you're at, in your living room or wherever you're watching this. Just turn to somebody with you, or if you're there by yourself, just make a note. What is it you're expecting? When you think of the messianic promise, the promise of Messiah who is coming, that runs all through scripture, what is it, if you're just thinking of one thing, what would it be? Now take a minute, just think about it. Talk to somebody there with you, or maybe text a friend, put a chat up in, in a comment if you're watching by Facebook or YouTube. What is it you're watching for? What is it you're waiting for? Come thou long expected Messiah. What are you expecting? See, when I look at the main line of messianic promise we're looking at here together, I look at this, and I go back to Genesis 3. And here in Genesis 3, the Lord God said to the serpent who deceived Eve and Adam, because you've done this cursor to you above all livestock, he's going after the real enemy, and that's Satan. You will crawl on your belly, you'll eat dust all the days of your life. I'm going to humiliate you, he says. But then he goes on, I will put enmity between you and the woman between your offspring, you think, okay, what's that? What's the serpent's offspring? Is that like little snakes? Mm, kind of, sort of, because there's a lot of demon gods, but really, that's those who worship the serpent, or the offspring of the serpent. And hers, her offspring, are, is Messiah, and those who worship him. And he goes on, he, so who's that? Yeah, who's that? Yeah, that's the Messiah. Will crush your head. You, of course, here is the serpent. Messiah will crush the serpent's head. This deceiver, this arch enemy, this one who's in a war with God himself. So we're looking for the serpent crusher. That's the first promise of Messiah in Scripture, is the one who will crush the serpent. The long-expected Jesus will be the serpent crusher. But it goes on. Moses, who led the people out of Israel across the Red Sea through the wilderness to the promised land. Toward the end of his time, Deuteronomy 18, the Lord said to me, I will raise up for them a prophet like you, that's Moses, from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command them. And at the end of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 34, now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. But it goes on. Since then, death of Moses, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all the signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and all his officials in his whole land, for no one has ever shown the mighty power or perform the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. So at the end of Deuteronomy, so that's just before they go in the promised land, or maybe that's even later when the canon is finally finalized, like 100 years before Jesus comes, still 
the deliverer has not come, that long-expected Jesus will be a prophet like Moses. He'll be one who speaks the word of God, but not only that, he will be a deliverer like Moses. Serpent crusher. Prophet, deliverer like Moses. Psalm 110. A psalm by David. And David says, the Lord says to my Lord, so we're talking about David's Lord now. That's no human. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So that my Lord, David's Lord, is the one who will sit at God's very right hand. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So a third line of promise here is a priest like Melchizedek. Melchizedek means king of righteousness, the king of Salem, the king of peace. All these kinds of things. Serpent crusher, delivered like Moses, priest like Melchizedek, who Zechariah tells us will build the temple and rule in it. And his peace will go out through the whole nation and to the whole world. 2 Samuel 7. The Lord declares that you, that's David, that the Lord himself will establish a house for you, David. When your days, David, are over and you rest with your ancestors, I, the Lord, will raise up your offspring. That's that offspring again. That goes back to Genesis 3. Your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father. He will be my son. And we think, oh, that's going to be David's kid. That's going to be like Solomon. No. No. Solomon <laughs> failed miserably. It wasn't Solomon. It's somebody after that. A king like David. We're told more about this king. Zechariah tells us, Rejoice greatly. I just listened to Messiah yesterday. You know one of the losses of this era? I don't get to go to a Messiah performance this year. Ah! Can I say that out loud? Yes. But I listened to it yesterday. Whole Messiah straight through with my headphones full stereo. I love this. I just, the song is running in my head right now. Rejoice, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, a righteous, victorious, lowly, riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. But this one will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will be everywhere, it says. So this is a king like David, but he'll be a humble king. Not an arrogant king. Not a power broker king. But a humble king who will proclaim peace to the nations. That's the king we're looking for. Serpent crusher. Prophet like Moses. Priest like Melchizedek. King like David who is humble and a peacemaker. Isaiah 42, as we continue the place, the Jesus speaking here, Father speaking here, here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, and that chosen one is, is Messiah. I will put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the nations. He's not going to do it by screaming rhetoric or a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. But in faithfulness he bring forth justice. This is the gentle justice maker. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. 
in his teaching, the islands will put their hope. This servant who will not falter, he will not be discouraged until he establishes justice on the whole earth. What an incredible, well, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Daniel 7. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was like a son of man. Well, what does that mean? Well, son of man, it just means a human. Here's a human coming with the clouds of heaven. So he's a son of man. He is a human. Okay, got that. But he approached the ancient of days. Who's that? Who's the one this human is approaching as he comes up on the clouds of heaven? Well, that's, that's Yahweh. That's the Father. That's the God who created the heavens and the earth. And he's led into his presence. He's given authority, glory, and sovereign power, this son of man, this human one, by the ancient of days. And note this. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. I think, now wait a minute. Humans do not get worshipped in heaven, not like this. Angels do not get worshipped in heaven like this. What are we talking about here? His dominion is an everlasting dominion. It's going to go forever. That will not pass away. His kingdom will not will ever be destroyed. So the Son of Man will receive all power, and he'll be worshipped by all nations of his kingdom. There will be no end, ever. Ever. Serpent crusher, prophet delivered like Moses, priest like Melchizedek who will reign in the temple forever, king like David, but a humble king, servant, son of man who will be worshipped. One more. The Lord himself will give you a sign very familiar. The virgin will conceive. And if you read this really literally, it's talking about a pregnant virgin. That is strange. Give birth to a son and he'll call him Emmanuel. So the virgin born son of God. And it says about this son of God, Psalm 2, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, so God said to this one, you are my son, this virgin born son. Today I have become your father. It's inauguration. Ask of me. I will make the nations your inheritance, ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. So what he's talking about here, this virgin-born son of God will establish God's righteous kingdom as the anointed one. It, in that, he will destroy the evil kingdoms that are out to destroy righteousness. He will bring it, because that's what the snake crusher does. He destroys those who worship the serpent and do his kinds of things. This one who comes. And one more. This is a dream that Daniel's interpreting, Nebuchadnezzar's dream of this huge statue, weird statue with gold all down into... While you're watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. And this rock struck the statue on his feet of iron and clay and smashed them. And his interpretation, 
In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring to an end, but itself will never end. This is the kingdom crushing rock that comes from heaven. Serpent crusher. The expected Jesus. Serpent crusher. Deliverer, prophet like Moses. King like David, but a humble king. But his king will have no end. A servant who speaks peace to the nations. Son of man who will be worshipped. And if his kingdom... It will be the serpent crushing that will bring an end to everything and establish righteousness, and it will never, ever go away. That's what we're talking about. See, and I come back to what is this long-expected Jesus. That long-expected Jesus is the triumphant Messiah who will crush evil, establish righteousness, and reign with peace. Even so, Lord, come quickly. So we're looking for the triumphant Messiah. And well, we know the New Testament story. What were Jews looking for 10 BC? Well, actually, we have a perspective that we just discovered recently. 2008 is when it hit the world. It was discovered around 2000. This Gabriel's Revelation, it's called, which is a pre-Christian prophecy about a murdered leader of the Jews. And you see here David Jusselson. He's a Jewish antiquities fellow who bought this. Well, you see, it's a big rock. It's like three feet high and 18 inches wide. I mean, it's huge. And he's, a, he's an antiquities dealer. lives in Zurich, Switzerland. He bought it from a, somebody and just a antiquities, Jordanian antiquities. We don't know where it came from, but it looks like a Dead Sea scroll. In fact, well, this is what it looks like if you look at it from the top, and you can see the 18-inch, one-cubit ruler beside it there, and you can see there's writing on it, two columns, just like a Torah scroll would be. If you look a bit closer, Eddie Yardeni is an antiquities specialist, and when she saw this with David Jesselson, she just went, oh my gosh, you don't know what you've got. And it's true, he didn't. He just knew it was old, and, and he bought it because that's what he does. She looked at this and said, this is a Dead Sea Scroll. This is an apocalyptic prophecy. And she began to examine it and read it closely. And you can see there where she's pointing. Look a little bit closer. And right there is a line. That's the 80th line in this 87-line Dead Sea Scroll written on stone. We don't know where it was. It's probably in the side of a temple or a house or something up on the side. And that line, which has already talked about this prince of princes, that line was, well, you can see a lot of it's hard to read. Some of it can be read, in, but experts can do this. And Israel Knoll read this closely, and this is his translation of that line. In three days you shall live... I, Gabriel, command you, prince of princes. This is talking about a murdered, and look at that, in three days, do you recognize this? This is three days, this is the Jesus prophecy. 
that Jesus cites, and what this is showing, this is pre-Christian, this is saying that there was a line of expectation that was expecting not a triumphant Messiah, but a Messiah who would be killed. And this is the amazing thing. They're expecting a Messiah, at least some did. They're expecting a Messiah who would be raised to life, this prince of princes. And we recognize that phrase from Daniel. Now, is this from the Dead Sea Scroll community? We don't know. It sure sounds like it. The writing is similar, but the one thing we know, and it's authentic, no challenges, this is a pre-Christian stone. This was written prior to the coming of Jesus, which shows us a line of expectation. And when Jesus says, the scriptures speak of me, this shows the Jews of the day understood that. Now let's look again here. Gabriel's revelation, this ancient stone, is a pre-Christian prophecy about a murdered leader of the Jews. And leader of the Jews, there's not a name for that. You know what that is, don't you? Well, that's that leader of the Jews. Let's just put in the word there. Let's put in Messiah. This leader of the Jews and this, murder, this murdered Messiah who will be raised in three days. This is a pre-Christian. I mean, this is this isn't a copy of something. This is the original. This prophecy. There was an expectation, and Jesus comes and is born of a virgin in Bethlehem, and all the things that happened. Now let's go back and look again. By the way. If you're curious about this, if you go to my website, brashears.net, and you see down there Grace Forums, I've got a bunch of stuff in there I put there. We've got some other stuff from Grace Forums, and there in the Grace Forums, I've got a bunch of stuff about Gabriel's Revelation. So you curious folk, it's there, including this outline. So go for it. And I'd love, love, love to interact with you because this is absolutely fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. To weird guys like me, anyway, it's fascinating. Maybe you think, oh my gosh, can we get done with this sermon? But let's look again. Very familiar passage. Isaiah 52. Talking about this king. My servant will act wisely, be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Who is this exalted servant? Just as there are many who are appalled at him. His appearance so disfigured beyond that of any human being, his form marred beyond human likeness. This is not the triumphant Messiah. This is a promised Messiah who will be appalling. This is a, tri- this is a Messiah who will be disfigured. But it goes on. Isaiah 53, he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. And if you know Isaiah, you recognize where all those come from. But here it is. He had no beauty, no majesty to attract us, nothing in his appearance that we desire him. He was despised, rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. This is not the triumph of Messiah who proclaimed peace to the nations. It's not. 
despised, suffering, sorrowful, rejected. Why? Verse 5. Pierced for our transgressions. And there's that word, crushed. Remember the serpent crusher? This servant is crushed, not the crusher. Pierced for our transgressions. Our transgressions. The serpent crusher is crushed for our iniquities. It goes on. The reason the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. This is the serpent crusher is going to be crushed for my transgressions? This is, <laughs> but it's not done. This is one of the most difficult passages in the entire Bible. Isaiah 53.10. Talking about this tender shoot Messiah, born of a virgin. It is the Lord's will to crush him. The, the Lord is going to crush him. The Lord is going to cause him to suffer. How can that be? This is the Messiah. And the Lord is going to crush him? I could understand if the, you know, the Babylonians are going to crush him or the Romans, but the Lord will crush him? He's crushed for our iniquities, the serpent crusher. He's crushed by God? Can that be? Why did the Lord crush him? The Lord makes his life an offering for sin. And I think back to Day of Atonement, I think back to Passover. In Passover, the father slays the lamb, puts the blood over the doorpost to protect the people and show their faith. The Lord crushes him, reminds us there of John 1.29. The next day, the Lord saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, the Lamb has to be slain. The Lamb has to be crushed. And the one who does it is the Father. Because I was thinking about this sermon as I was on my call yesterday with my two bio sons. I've been texting this morning with one of my non-legal sons who's in a tough spot. And I'll talk to him after the service is over. But I think of my sons, my bio sons. Would I sacrifice them for anybody? And the answer is not a chance. I don't love you guys that much. I don't. But God does. God does. Let's go back to Genesis 3. We saw this. The Messiah will crush the serpent's head, the serpent crusher. But look at the next line. And you, okay, who's the you? Well, that's serpent. Will crush his heel. 
Who's that? Who's the his? Mm-hmm. Messiah. What happens when serpent crushes Messiah's heel? I hear people say, all you can do is tap him on the heel. No, no, no. This is a viper. When a viper taps you on the heel, when a typer strikes your foot, it kills you. It kills you. This one is crushed by the serpent. The serpent crusher. The prophet like Moses. The king like David. The servant. The priest. The one whose kingdom no end is crushed for our iniquities. Crushed by God as a sacrifice. Crushed by the serpent. It says here in this initial prophecy. You will crush his heel. Well, what's that saying? Well, that's talking about substitution. It's talking about Messiah taking my place and as my substitute, my sacrifice. And that's the way that he's going to crush the serpent, at least in this first coming. So you see both triumph, but the way of triumph is by the way of substitution and sacrifice. So we put these together, but we're not done yet. Remember Isaiah 53, the Lord makes his offering an ex- offering for sin. He will see his offspring and prolong his days. The little Lord will prosper in his hand. Who is the he? Who is that he who's going to see his offspring? Who is that? That's the one who has been sacrificed. The one who has been crushed by God, the one who has been sacrificed by God he, the crushed one, will see his offspring and prolong his days. There's the resurrection. There's the resurrection. There's the resurrection. And it goes on. This one who was raised by, to life by God is the same one that he crushed, the one that he sacrificed. The chapter ends this way. After he suffered crushed by God, sacrificed by God, fully willing participant. He will see a light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great because of what he did. He would divide the spoils of the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many He made intercession for transgressors. See, I put these together. He is honored and exalted, but again, that's not the end. Acts chapter 1, after Jesus is taken up into heaven, exalted, men of Galilee said, why do you stand here looking in the sky, the angels told them, these disciples watching Jesus ascend to the right hand of the Father. This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you saw him go into heaven. And in Matthew 25, it talks about his return. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, that's the human one who's worshipped, the Messiah who has been crushed and resurrected, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. There's the reign, but there has to be the sacrifice first. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates goats from sheep. So 
So this one will be honor exalted, return to judge and to rule. Now look at this, how do you put these two together? Well, in the Talmud, they posited two messiahs. Messiah, son of Joseph, who would be crucified. And Messiah, son of David, who would rule. Two messiahs. We understand now it's the same messiah who came and was crushed, pierced for our transgressions. That one brought us forgiveness and healing. But calls us on a mission to take his word to the world. And that's where hope is. That's where hope is. And I look at this hope. I like this picture a lot. Because this is the triune God reaching down. Who's come and sacrificed. There are nail prints in that hand. And he's reaching to us and he's saying, will you reach back? Worship team, you want to come up here because we're going to sing here in a minute. I look at this picture and really that's the question. That's the question. God is reaching to us. But what he's saying is if you join with me, you're going to join in a way that may lead to suffering. It may lead to giving up your rights and prerogatives as Jesus did. But what it will do is it'll involve you in the best thing ever. Because you'll join in the mission of the crushed Messiah and you'll be raised with him, seated at the very right hand of God with authority to forgive sins, to announce their forgiveness, with authority to free people from demonic stuff, bring healing and hope to the nations. That's the question. Will you reach back to him? There's going to be a prayer time after this live time. If you'd like more questions, join that prayer time. The QR code will come up in a minute. We'd love to pray with you. If you're watching this recorded, we'd still love to pray with you. Do the prayer thing in the app or the website or just call the office. We'll be in touch. We'd love to talk to you about what this means. Join Advent Conspiracy, really the triumph of Messiah. And this song, this friend, Allie Gadbaugh, some of you know her. She's sung on this stage before she and David moved across the river. She is some of you now. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. That's our theme. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are the God who will go through the agony of sacrificing your son for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for being willing to come and be the despised, rejected, crushed one who, through that, would break the authority of the serpent. Holy Spirit, speak your truth into our lives because we want to bypass the deceptions and bring to the truth that there is hope and that hope has a name. The name is Jesus. We sing about a living hope together. Amen. But it may mean we join him in doing some Advent things. Would you like to come and help me? I've got two Advent boxes in the back of my van here that we're carrying after us. You can join, maybe not right now, but
We need some more Advent boxes. That's a way to join Messiah in helping our community celebrate. Come decorate this church building. That's another way to celebrate and join with Messiah in his work of overcoming the brokenness in our world. Maybe you're still not quite sure who this Jesus guy is. You're not sure. You're confused like some of the ancient Jewish folk. Love to talk to you. Love to talk to you. The simple fact is this serpent-crushing deliverer, king, priest, servant, son of man who is worshipped, crucified, pierced for our transgressions. We get to join him. But a simple act of saying, Jesus, I want to be with you. I've got a lot against me, but I need your help. It's a simple prayer. Would you like to do it right now? It's so basic. Lord Jesus, I don't bring much to you. In fact, I've got a lot of hurts and a lot of stuff. I need your healing. I need your forgiveness. I need your hope, Jesus. That simple prayer, it's life transforming. I invite you to do that right now. Father, I thank you that you are the God who is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, full of faithfulness and love, forgiving wickedness, sin, rebellion. But you don't leave the just unpunished. Give us that courage to come to you for your hope and healing and forgiveness. Holy Spirit, show us those places where we need your healing. Show us those wicked ways in us that we can bring your hope together. As we join together in the crusade to bring righteousness and peace and healing and goodness into our land, those of us who follow Jesus, Holy Spirit, show us how to unite together in this contentious times to bring your peace, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go change the world. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.